Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for the show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and prioritize yourself, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. I bought into the six hours of sleep thing, but it resulted in a health crisis and I lost my six-figure business. I realized that sleep wasn't wasted time. It's when my body does its magic. It's not as simple as just deciding to sleep longer. You need to prioritize sleep, change your sleep story and have tools that make it easy. That's why I created Sleep Fabulously. Head to sleepfabulously.com to sign up now. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Hello and welcome. I'm so delighted to introduce my expert guest to you today, Dr. Tracy Alexis. Welcome to you, Tracy. Thank you, Bev. Welcome to you. It's nice to be with you today. Oh, that's awesome. We've got a completely different topic that people will not have heard about on this show. So I'm really grateful that you reached out to me. But let's begin with learning a little bit about you and tell us about yourself and what it is that you do. Okay. Um, My background and training is in industrial uh, and organizational psychology. And due to the research that I conducted for my graduate degree, I implemented that to help me write the book interstitial cystitis, a personal journey of complete healing. Mm. So um, that's pretty much my, my background. I have a PhD in psychology, but um, the disease interstitial cystitis is an incurable disease according to mainstream medicine. And I refused to accept that as the diagnosis for the remainder of my life on earth. So I worked to heal it. Yeah, so let's hear more about that. How would you describe your well-being journey? Well, it was tough at first. Um, I was basically knocked off of a motorcycle in the middle of the street, took a very hard slam into the ground, and about a year later, my bladder completely stopped working. I went to the bathroom to avoid, and nothing would come out. So that was the beginning of my interstitial cystitis diagnosis. And that certainly wasn't the end of it, but uh, it was a very arduous journey. It took about a year to get the diagnosis. And then after receiving that diagnosis, it took probably two and a half years to get to a place where my bladder would function well on its own, not just limp along like it had at the beginning. It was kind of fits and starts, but, um, but now it's, it's fully recovered and working and I'm loving life and doing great and that's why i wrote the book so i can help other people who are suffering with either painful bladder syndrome or interstitial cystitis and also fibromyalgia which was a secondary uh, uh, inflammatory problem that i had as a result of the wreck wow we're mentioning the interstitial cystitis now i know about honeymoon cystitis i got that (laughs) i was young and um you know on my honeymoon so i understand what that is so it's an you know infection in the bladder but what is interstitial cystitis and how you said it took a long while 
to diagnose. So how do they normally do that? Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, first and foremost, doctors, there's no consistency in the disease. So one patient may present with very uh, unique, painful bladder and nothing else. Another person might present with bladder ulcers. Um, it, it just varies and, and there's a, a, apparently a fairly large um, gradient of how a patient might present. So I do think that medical practitioners are still learning how to diagnose the disease. They have yet to come up with a treatment or a cure. They have offered some uh, medicines for it, like Elmeron, which I don't know if you've watched the news recently, Bev, but uh, was just called out about a month or two ago for creating problems, uh, long-term usage of this uh, toxic, I considered it a toxic medicine, um, results in retina or macular problems. So you're trying to treat the bladder and you end up with problems with your eyes. Uh, I took one of those pills and it just made such a violent uh, outcome in my body, I could not take any more than one. Uh, and I'm very glad that I did not. Yes, absolutely. How does an interstitial cystitis, how does it differ? Is it more on the whole bladder rather than an infection? That is true. It is not an infection per se, although people with interstitial cystitis can certainly suffer from urinary tract infections. But I think more commonly, the bladder feels like it has a UTI or urinary tract infection, but there's no bacteria going on in the bladder. So we're just walking around with this painful bladder and uh, we don't know how to make it feel better. Or, and medicine, mainstream medicine, is not very effective at helping us figure out how to make it feel better because you have to first, as a doctor, I think, understand what the disease is, how it's caused, and then a doctor is able to offer a viable treatment for that. So I think they're still kind of throwing darts at the dartboard trying to figure it out, unfortunately. And it's interesting because my research revealed about 10% of the world's population, men, women, and children, suffer from this debilitating, it's an absolutely debilitating disease. I can recall after a surgery when I had a hysterectomy, they obviously messed around with my bladder yes. because it's in the general vicinity. Yes. And I had such agonizing pelvic pain. I did not know what to do with myself. Yes. And it was sort of cramping. I, it was so painful. So I can't imagine how somebody can actually live a normal life like that. So how does um, interstitial cystitis disrupt your lifestyle? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, mine disrupted my lifestyle very, very dramatically. I lost all function of my bladder literally overnight. Um, it took about a year for the physiological ramifications of my accident to actually manifest. And when they did, it, it's like they rained down on my whole body. So it wasn't only my bladder, I also had uh, some vestibular, I'm pointing to my ears because I had some vestibular problems as well. Um, and I'm part Greek, so I tend to talk with my hands. Forgive me if I, if I get too handy <laughs> on here. But um, uh, it just upended my whole life. Um, my bladder capacity went from about 16 ounces before my bladder died to less than one ounce, literally overnight. 
so my conundrum, if you will, was trying to figure out how to increase my bladder capacity so that I could get a good night's sleep. So people with interstitial cystitis have problems with employment because they have to go to the bathroom frequently. When they go, their, their urine burns coming out. They probably experience pinching sensation or other um, unpleasant bladder experiences as well. And uh, it, it just all manner of life dysfunction. Uh, Bev, I'll share that there were days at the earlier part of my diagnosis that I literally thought my life was not worth living anymore. And I, I contemplated ending my life just to get away from the pain. And that goes against everything I taught to my kids and that I was raised to believe uh, that, you know, just give your life five more minutes and things can turn the corner. But I think when people are living in um, just profound pain that they can't get out from under, we contemplate things we wouldn't ordinarily contemplate. Uh, fortunately for me, I was able to participate in a focus group, a medical focus group, and um, that's where I learned that doctors don't understand the disease, they don't know how to treat it, they were very transparent about sharing that, and they wanted to hear from us as patients about what we needed and wanted from them. And the big takeaway was we really wanted them to believe us when we told them how much pain we were in. Well, I think, you know, you mentioned fibromyalgia earlier. Yes. I can vouch for that for many of my clients who've experienced fibromyalgia where people don't believe them yes. about the pain that they're in. So not being believed is just so difficult in itself, yes. never mind the pain that's associated physically. So you've got emotional pain and then you've got this physical pain as well. So that's really difficult. So what did you find to be the optimal treatment protocol for yourself? Well, for me, it was a combination of two different things. Um, the protocol, treatment protocol is outlined in my book, the medical one that I received from a, a specialty clinic that focused exclusively on all things female-centric in the, in the reproductive organ section of our bodies, which was just fabulous. It was like going to the spa, um, but it was a medical installation. It was a concoction of different things, one of which was a, like a Marcane or a Novocaine that was inserted into the liquid and it would bathe the bladder walls and deaden and take away all of that pain. Of course, it also deadened my ability to feel the urge to go to the bathroom, but um, the main thing was it eliminated the pain at least for a couple of days after that installation. And then in tandem with that, as I got further down, about a year down my healing journey, I started doing self-installations with a SEA redox liquid, which uh, mimics the body's saline, and it just, I put it in the bladder, and I really started turning the corner when I instilled that into my bladder in conjunction with the, the medical treatments. Uh, I expanded the capacity of my bladder. I was able to sleep longer through the night, um, just able to get a lot of my physical functioning back, and it was a, a welcome change. Yes, I can imagine. And I guess when you were doing the self-installation, you would have needed to do it under the same uh, safety and uh, uh, procedures that they would do in uh, a surgery or a hospital setting. Correct. 
because obviously you could introduce infection unknowingly. So yes. That's um, an important point to just call out. Yes, there. that's very important. It does need to be a sterile environment. It can be done at home, but you one must have a sterile environment. Um, otherwise, they can introduce bacteria into the bladder and create a urinary tract infection, which is not what we want. Or even worse, it going up the um, ureters into the kidneys. Correct. So yes. you don't definitely no. don't want to be Absolutely. doing it. So yeah, for anyone listening, it needs to be done as you mentioned in a sterile environment. So, given that you know some people will be at different stages, I'm thinking it's worth talking about how to maintain and increase our bladder health generally. What are some of your ideas and tips for that? Okay. Uh, Thank you for asking. I think it's very, very important uh, as women that we understand how to take care of our feminine hygiene. I personally insist upon wiping front to back. And, and you know, it's real convenient for us to wipe from the back to the front because that's just kind of how we think about doing it. But to maintain that bladder health, because you, you can literally push bacteria into the urethra, wiping back to front. So you always want to wipe front to back. Uh, cleanliness is extremely important. Um, showering or, or using wipes a couple of times, three times a day might be important. I don't shower three times a day, but I have been known to shower twice a day. Um, I do believe in drinking tons of water and the water has, it's never been a friend of mine until I developed uh, interstitial cystitis. Uh, before I developed interstitial cystitis, because I had a propensity to develop urinary tract infections from a previous medical condition um, called strictures, and I, I won't bore you with all that, but um, because of those, I had frequent UTIs. And uh, they basically said, stop drinking sodas. So I haven't consumed a soda for probably 25 or 30 years. And I think that's critically important because the carbonated water creates um, bacteria, opportunity for bacteria to grow in the bladder, kind of fuels that bacterial growth. Another thing is I take a 1,000 um, milligrams of vitamin C a day, which for some interstitial cystitis patients will be extremely acidic for them. But this is what they shared with me at the Gyno Euro Center, that, that fabulous place I told you that took care of all things female reproductive. Um, they said start taking it and take it in tandem with a cranberry supplement, not cranberry juice because juices have a lot of sugar and sugar makes our, our body acidic. And when it turns acidic, our urine starts burning. So we wanna have that calm urine, the non-burning urine. And so I basically um, put alkaline drops in the water and that makes it uh, calm, calm the fire in my bladder, so to speak. So those are a few of the tips that I have for you for that healthy bladder. Yes, that's, that's important. And you can't underestimate the wiping front to back, ladies, yes. because obviously we have three outlets in that vicinity. You yes. know, we've got the urethra, which is the bladder. We've got the um, entrance to the vagina. And then we've got our anus, you yes. know. So there's all sorts of things happening there. So you would rather want to wipe front to back. And it's something you can teach children to do, yes. you know, little girls. 
because like you say, sometimes it is easier to do the other way around. And when you mentioned the vitamin C there, I'd encourage people to look for whole food vitamin C. There are supplements that you can get that are whole food. In the past, I was using one that was ascorbic acid. Yes. And that was actually creating part of the problem mm. too of acidity. Whereas if you use a supplement that's whole food vitamin C, you can find these. And I might put a link in the show notes to something like that. But you mentioned water and alkalinity. Filtered water that is alkaline is the best thing for you. Yes. So, you know, we don't want all the other toxins that are in water naturally. So you want filtered water. So I have an over, you know, a tap filter that comes into the bench top, but you can get ones that sit on the bench top and they are worth the investment long-term for your health for lots of other reasons, but like you're mentioning with the acidity for the bladder. So you wouldn't need, the, the particular one I've got is called Alkaway. A lot of people say, oh, well, I'll just buy bottled water. Well, you don't want bottled water because it sits in plastic. Yes. And then you have the endocrine disruptors coming in from the plastic. That's true. And carcinogens. So you don't want that. Correct. But with this one, I worked out that it would be less than a quarter of the price of a bottle of water oh, in nice. the first year and probably about 10% of the price of a bottled water in year two going forward. Nice. Very nice. So, you know, mm-hmm. look for something that's, you know, available in your country. And um, Alkaway is both in Australia and in um, the US. So that's, nice. that's a good option. Nice. And let's talk a bit about the book then. Okay. So it's called Interstitial Cystitis, A Personal Journey of Complete Healing. Why did you write it and who is it for? Okay. I wrote it because I wanted to document my healing journey. Who it is for is for anyone who suffers from interstitial cystitis or fibromyalgia or has chronic inflammation. Um, As you probably know, fibromyalgia deals with an autoimmune dysfunction and so much of our overall health is tied to a well-functioning immune system. So when it's compromised, all manner of ills can affect us adversely. And it's very important to to get it healed and get up and and going with a healthy immune system. Um, So I really wanted to just bless other people and help them and, and give them some hope that, because when we go to mainstream physicians who treat uh, urinary tract uh, problems or interstitial cystitis or other female issues, they will tell us emphatically that this is an incurable disease. And I absolutely refused to accept that as my, my death knell for the rest of my life. So that's why I wrote the book was to give other, uh, not necessarily women, but men, women, and children hope that they can heal theirs as well a beautiful legacy to leave because you do want to make meaning sometimes out of your journey and writing a book is definitely one way to do that but then it creates a legacy for other women you know and like you say men and children yes I can't imagine what it's like for a child if it's that painful for an adult yes it's it's debilitating yes yeah And so what are your tips for living fabulously, Tracy? Oh, my tips for living fabulously. Number one would be eat the purest food you can possibly afford. 
And this is a horrible time for people to try and find affordable food because some places are dealing with food scarcity right now because of COVID-19. Um, but I switched from just whatever was on the shelf that I liked to reading labels, buying foods that were organic, foods without nitrites, nitrates, or preservatives, or hormones. Um, and it really uh, had great impact on my lifestyle and my health going forward. I could tell within a month of changing, making that big shift, I could tell a dramatic difference in my energy level, my sleep quality, uh, everything along those lines. Um, also, I, I, I'm not here to proselytize anyone, but I do think a belief in something greater than ourselves is extremely important. So I was very prayerful. I was raised as a Baptist. My dad was a deacon in the church, so it was not a huge uh, extrapolation for me to fall to my knees and ask for help in healing this disease. And I'm very, very grateful that I, I did get my prayers answered, and I know others can as well. And then I would just say for women or men or kids who are going through this, learn to speak up for yourself, self-advocate, because doctors are under so much pressure here in the United States in particular. Uh, right now, they're, they're overwhelmed with COVID. But before that, uh, there was so, so much government oversight and regulation in how they conduct their practice that they're given really just five to six minutes to sit with a patient, diagnose them, give them a treatment and get them out the door and move on to the next patient. So sometimes they're not really listening to what you're telling them. Be sure to speak up for yourself because that's critically important with this disease and be gentle to yourself. Um, you know, it's, this is a tough disease. You have to stop, um, strenuous exercise so you you have to if you're an exerciser like i am you have to walk and do pilates or yoga or tai chi things that are more gentle but things that do stimulate that blood flow to help heal the body on the inner level that's pretty much it wonderful wonderful ways to to live fabulously thank you so much for sharing your own personal journey because really i think people resonate with that in they can see themselves in that. So maybe it's prompted some of the listeners to think, well, gee, that pelvic pain that I've been experiencing, that, you know, burning urination, those type of things, maybe they'll see this in a different light and go and seek help. And that's always good. And that's why I love that you've got the, the book. I think some of the little nuggets that I've taken away, and there are many, but I'll just focus on, on three of them. The first one is if you check in with your own body, you knew that that was not working the way that it intended and you persisted. Right. And I think that's the one thing that I'd encourage people to do is really tune into the body. And if somebody doesn't understand what you're going through, find another practitioner. There's many people, exactly. <laughs> many people, and I'm glad you found the place that would help and support you to get the relief that you needed. Thank you. And then the other thing is, is it doesn't necessarily require drugs to heal the body. When we create the right conditions for the body, it definitely creates the conditions for healing. So you mentioned a number of things, including water, including, you know, maybe topping up with vitamin C, because most of our food is also nutrient deficient. Yes. And you've shifted to organic, so you're at least not getting the pesticides. Correct. 
but even the soil that most things grow in, you know, it doesn't have all the nutrients that we need. But I think using food as medicine is one of the ways that you can help that create those conditions. And you mentioned, you know, not having soda and that, so I'm talking about acidity in the body. Yes. And I think if we can do a number of those ideas consistently and start small where you're at today, start consistently and keep doing those things, then you know that you're on, on the way. Like you said, it took a month before you started feeling better. And so it's re the response. The body knows what it needs and just listen. So that would be my summary. I think that's a great summary, Bev. And you hit on a really good point. Our bodies were designed to constantly replenish cells. Old cells are dying and sloughing off and new cells are always being produced and put in place. And it's designed to heal itself. All we have to do is love it enough to let it work. Yes, exactly. And so you can find Dr. Tracy Alexis at her website, which is going to be in the show notes. And then also on Facebook, it's under in, in, oh, Interstitial Societies Self-Help. So thanks so much for being with me today and um, really appreciate you sharing an intimate journey, really. It was my joy, Bev. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening and I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.